Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where we have finally entered into the year of our Lord, LeBron James III, 2020, the year of perfect vision, the year of extreme wokeness, where, just like the Lakers, we are all seeing eye to eye, because we've listened to each other's hearts, of course, and we found that, that we've never been too far apart. So maybe love is the reason why. Why? For the first time ever, Alan, we are seeing it eye to eye. eye. And I know people are saying eye to eye. The Lakers have been stumbling to end 2019. They have lost more games in the last two weeks than they have the entire first one and a half months. They are not seeing things eye to eye, but I will say that they still are. Their leaders are Anthony Davis and LeBron James. We are going to be just fine. This is still one of the most fun Lakers seasons, if not the most fun Lakers season we've had in our lifetime or in the last decade, regardless of whether or not the Lakers win the championship. So... In this episode, we are not going to be blind, optimistic Lakers fans, but we're going to be Lakers fans who keep things glass half full, add context, add perspective. And this is just going to be a New Year's episode where we focus on the journey that we've gone through thus far. Yes, we've stumbled a bit here and there, um, but we're going to keep it light and positive and look forward to 2020 and um, just some things that we can improve. But overall, We're going to focus on how fun this season has been, okay? And how fun it still could be, regardless of how many, you know, nicks and bruises that we've had and how dire situations have seemed facing these top marquee teams and whatnot. But yes, Happy New Year's to Lakers fans. Happy 2020. Alan, it's 2020. Can you believe it? I cannot believe it. It sounds so weird. (laughs) It sounds so (laughs) weird. And guess what, Alan? In this year of Our Lord and Savior, LeBron James III, 20 times 20 equals 400, and we have surpassed 400 iTunes ratings and reviews. Ayo! Ayo, indeed. Uh, Alan, how did your Christmas break go? 
it's been good, dude. Uh, just lots of lots of family, of course, catching up with friends who are back in town and that sort of thing. Uh, a lot of eating, a lot of just consumption in general. So, yeah, man, it's, it's always always a good time. How about you? Uh, it was good. I was back in Philly again. It was a lot colder than it was uh, during Thanksgiving when I was there. It was a lot of fun. Lots of parties. We have a big Filipino family reunion party that goes on during Christmas time at my aunt's house where cousins and uh, uncles and aunts come out of the woodwork. Some that I have never really interacted with, but it makes for a, a very familial Christmas. There was Filipino food. There was American food. How's the dog? Oh, the dogs are amazing. Felix, my fat furry friend, is very fat. <laughs> he is a he's a fat multi poo, and he pretty much looks like a beached seal, like a furry <laughs> seal. Shout out to Felix. Uh, <laughs> woof woof. <laughs> you fat boy, Felix. <laughs> <laughs> you fat boy. Um. So in this episode, we are not going to touch upon any specific games. We are going to do a woke 2020. We're seeing perfect vision wise Lakers. New Year's-centric episode where we touch upon more overarching philosophical topics. Um, By the time you hear this, the Lakers are probably gearing up for their game against the Phoenix Suns. Also, Tommy might join us a little bit later to uh, give his thoughts on some of the topics as well. But for now, Alan is joining me for this intro segment, and that will have to be enough. I think it's enough. Alan, I don't know if you're a New Year's resolutions kind of guy, and if you even actually prescribe to that on a year-by-year basis, but... Icebreaker question of the night is, if you had to make a New Year's resolution for yourself, what's one New Year's resolution that, that would personally resonate with you, even if you don't actually keep up with it? So I can, I can start first to give you time to think. But this year, I would actually really like to learn how to cook or like make a dish of my nice, own, like nice. a signature dish. And I have been like putting this off. I've wanted to do this for the last two years, but I think this is the year I'm actually going to sit down, buy the ingredients to something follow the steps and just set aside time to actually make a dish even if it's something super simple like just making fried rice or something home ec my life up so what about you damn that's a really good one um that's one that i've been thinking about too but i I won't steal it i've like started to do that a little bit here and there and um had a little more courage and it's it's like super fun actually it's a lot easier than you think so there's some encouragement maybe we could cook together we can have a a cooking podcast Um, (laughs) (laughs) a youtube channel youtube cooking channel yeah yeah exactly no cooking podcast would be better i think people just want to hear us cooking anyway um i'm just getting so stupid um a new year's resolution for me um it it's kind of a a big one actually you don't really know about this i haven't actually no you do know about this i told you recently it's like kind of personal but i'm i'm looking to pivot significantly um, oh, right. professionally speaking without getting into too many details about what that looks like uh i want to at least from a mental standpoint remove whatever kind of ceiling that's over my head you know whatever fears there are of making significant changes and kind of limiting myself and my potential um i think getting over that is uh like a short-term resolution for myself and once i can do that i think it'll open up a lot of possibilities for me and uh i'll just i'll feel good about that new direction that i'm looking to head towards so that's a little bit vague but that's something that i've been reflecting on for like the last month or so no that's awesome 
I'm sure Kyle Kuzma resonates with that sentiment as well. And we hope that he's well on his way to, yeah, just mentally reshifting things and truly finding his comfortable spot on this roster. But yeah, thanks for sharing, Alan. I thought you initially were going to say, I am hoping this year to shift things from a career perspective and become the host of the Lakers Legacy Podcast. And that would have taken a huge burden off my shoulders because I hate (laughs) moderating this. Um, I hate this podcast. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Uh, No, but thanks for sharing. Happy New Year, everybody. 2020, we're talking about the Lakers. And just to outline this episode really quick for this New Year-centric episode, Uh, The larger topics that we will be talking about are, in segment one, I'm going to ask Alan and possibly Tommy as well, whether or not this is the most fun Lakers team that they've covered and watched. And if it is, I'm going to ask them to make a case for it being that, actually. And contextualizing that answer, because we are all 30, 31 now, a lot has changed in just how we viewed things as fans, but also just how the media coverage of the NBA um, has gone these last few years. So we'll answer and dive into that larger question of whether or not this Lakers team or this Lakers team and this season has been the most fun we've ever has been the most fun team and most fun season we've ever seen and observed as a fan. And then we'll also just dole out some New Year's resolutions to any players or any larger NBA-related entities um, that we'd like to give resolutions out to. So that'll pretty much be it for this episode, and then hope you guys just continue to uh, eat a bunch of food and relax as your holiday break from work or school continues. So, yeah. Hey you! Are you ready? Grab your pack, grab your tent, grab your gear. Jump in. We're going on an adventure. In Arizona, there's so much to see, so much to experience. At GCU, adventure is never too far away. Offering over 200 academic programs with a Christian worldview and nestled in the heart of Phoenix, you can earn your degree in fewer than four years and explore everything Arizona has to offer. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu slash azroadtrip. Hey, Tommy. Welcome to the New Year's uh, 2020 uh, episode. <laughs> How are you feeling about 2020, new you? Uh, I feel great. Um, it's a new year. How's your vision? It's 2020, fam. <laughs> okay, so I kind of... Clear eyes, this... full heart, can't lose. Yeah, exactly. There you go, Alan. Great job. You guys should host this podcast. Um, so I teased this in the intro, um, and it's a simple question, but I think there's levels to it. Um, obviously we can probably point to recency bias, but, uh... Yeah, Tommy, let's start with you. Recency bias notwithstanding, is this Lakers team and this Lakers season the most fun team you've covered and watched? And I'm going to force you to make an argument for it being that way, using context, just how old you are now, referencing the past and how you used to watch the Lakers, how the NBA media landscape has changed. Uh, You can use all of that in your answer. But uh, yeah, give me the argument for why this Lakers team, regardless of whether or not we win the championship, why this season is the most fun season you've ever covered and watched. Okay, I'm going to distinguish a little covered a thousand percent by miles. You know, if you call what we do on this podcast covering the (laughs) Lakers, then by miles obviously this is the most fun team to watch we're like i think our first year we did this we had won 17 games or something like it this is this is so much better than all of that um in terms of watched obviously during our lifetimes we've been fortunate to have many good teams 
I'm going to have to exclude the Kobe Shaq years, especially like the 99, 2000 season when we won over 60 games. Like that season was, I'm sure very fun to watch, but I don't know. I was like 11 years old. So I don't, I didn't have as much context and I didn't have as much like pain and anguish for like how, how bad it sucks to be like a terrible team to, yes. uh, to I didn't have any context really. Um, the closest thing that I think this team is or compares to is the 2008, or, sorry, the 2000, I'll say that either the 0708 team or the 0809 team. So the, either the year we traded for POW or the following year. Um, both of those years we had, you know, everybody remembers the bench mob. Um, we we uh, would come in with Kobe and POW and, and uh, Bynum sometimes, and we would play like, you know, the triangle, not run too much, play really solid defense, but it was like really more of a half court game. And then all of a sudden the bench mob would come in and it was like all these guys that we watched develop alongside Kobe during the years that we were pretty bad in the post-Shack era, like Sasha, Jordan Farmar, Turioff, uh, guys we traded for. Those guys would all come in and it would be like a sprint, you know, up and down the court, playing mm-hmm. uh, tough defense and, and using quickness and athleticism. That team was very, very fun to watch as well. Um, but when you combine just the star power that we currently have in connection with just how well we're going out every single night on a consistent basis and executing the game plan, I I have to think, honestly, I know it's been a quarter of the season, and so maybe I'll adjust when the end of the season comes. But assuming they maintain this level of performance and excellence over the course of 82 games this is definitely in my lifetime the most fun team i've watched also factoring in since you mentioned other uh, other you know freedies other factors in 2008 2009 we didn't have the same social media landscape that we do now yep. like twitter definitely existed um but it was not it did like, like quote-unquote lakers twitter was not a thing you know nba twitter was not a thing and dealing with the rise of NBA Twitter <sighs> in conjunction with the Lakers be having like the worst six years of franchise history yep. was so painful <laughs> that it makes it like that much more sweet now that yes. here we are in NBA Twitter just shitting on everybody. Like, <laughs> shitting on them all. <laughs> just it. pulling up stuff from like years ago and retweeting it and like <laughs> retweeting takes from preseason or, you know, off last offseason and. And and just all of that has been so great because it it's like look the 0809 team fantastic we won over sixty games we won the championship that year Very we didn't get to flaunt watch. it but it was just like okay great so I watched all eighty two like we always do I'll, I think all three of us always do and it's like so we talk to each other about it <laughs> you know what I mean? like, we talk to our other friends and be like yeah wasn't that sick yeah it was pretty sick <laughs> it's like. It was not the same as as this year in terms of like every single night. I'm just immediately when the game's over. You know, I mentioned this probably before, but I rarely watch the games live. I usually watch them DVR'd and several hours later. But I I don't look at the scores, so it's like new when I watch it. But um, the second the game is, I'm done watching the game. I log on to Twitter and just 
spend at least like a minimum. It's like my homework after the game, right? It's like my follow up. I spend like a minimum thirty minutes at least, like look reading over my Twitter timeline, looking at everybody's takes, like during the game and after the game, and reading quotes from like the media after the game, and and uh, it's just it's just so much fun. Mm-hmm. Um, the the entire aspect, like the entire context of it, with it doesn't feel like you're just oh let me watch this game to get it out of the way. Which frankly for me it's been like the last that's been the last six years. I got to watch it yeah. to get it out of the way. That was like homework. <laughs> yeah, it, that yeah. was like homework. But now it's like let me sit down for this like experience. I'm not sure what's gonna happen. <laughs> I think we're probably gonna win, but let me sit down for this full experience of like not just watching the game, but like basking in the glory of yes. all of the aftermath and and drinking all of the tears of you know opposing fan fan bases uh, at the same time. Yes, I think that is the perfect way to encapsulate it. It's an experience now especially in this social media landscape. The journey, the pro- the process that we had to go through, it's been so cathartic this season. I think that's the word. It's been cathartic to get everything off our chest and you see it throughout all of Lakers Nation this collective of us just breathing fresh air and being able to clap back and flaunt our Lakers exceptionalism in such a brash and cocky way to this new age generation of uh, NBA fans who have only known Lob City, the Warriors, et cetera, et cetera. And we back and it's fun. And uh, yeah, Alan, same question to you. Uh, Yeah, definitely most fun team. And yeah, I like what Tommy said about um, just looking forward to having an experience for me, it's like it reminds me of the Kobe Pow era where you'd wake up in the morning and kind of think, OK, what do I have to do today? So back then for us, it was like, oh, we're in college, right? Go to class, do this, do that, study, try to get everything done before 730 when it's time to watch the Lakers win. And I would look forward to it every single morning back in those days. Uh, and then, yeah, obviously over the last few years, it's felt like a bit more of a chore. Um, there's some excitement. You look forward to it. But at the same time, it's like you knew you're going to be left with a mostly really crappy feeling. But this season, it's like I'm looking forward to <clears throat> the entire week, right? It's like, okay, I'm looking at the calendar. We've got this game coming up this day, that game coming up on whatever. I'm thinking about what my schedule is like. Okay, which days will I actually be home Right before 7.30, I could watch live. Which days am I going to DVR? What am I going to eat while I'm watching this game? Um, <clears throat> I plan my whole like week like emotionally around it almost. Um, so in that sense, it's it's like very familiar. Um, it's just been such a long time since we felt that type of way. And then, yeah, just like everything you guys said, seeing all the different takes from different people, whether it's positive or negative. Jonathan, I do particularly enjoy you retweeting um, past <laughs> conversations with people back in the summer. Um, you know, it's, it is really fun to bring that stuff back up to the surface. And um, yeah, like if we had this back back in the day, you know, and had we also Oof. been older <laughs> during the Kobe Shaq era and then the Kobe Powell, Lamar Odom era, um, man, it would have been so much fun. But yeah, I, I would definitely say this is the most fun I, I've had watching. Um, I I would also exclude the Kobe Shaq era, although, I mean, we all have like incredible uh, memories and this season just reminds me so much of that one, just the excitement. And um, I remember that Kobe Shaq team when they won 19 games in a row 
and then they lost on the road to the Washington Wizards. <laughs> I legitimately <laughs> cried, dude. I actually <laughs> cried, and I felt like such a loser. And I like hid from my whole family because I didn't want them to see me crying. <laughs> but I thought, damn, I'm a hardcore freaking fifth grader Man, watching son. this basketball game all by myself right now. Um, and, you know, if we were to go on some crazy streak now, uh, I think we would all be pretty stunned if we because Washington wasn't even good back then. Um, if we lost to a team like that, we would not be shook by it, but we'd be pretty emotionally like distraught for a bit you know it's like um that same level of commitment and and all that kind of stuff so anyway yeah that's my answer this is the most fun team ever in the history of sports yeah and we just get to unload the clip on twitter pew 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 our retweet armageddon all over the place just twitter jizz on people's faces oh my um, god I- <laughs> I kind of feel like the Lakers, especially since social media came up, um, it feels like we have been, especially because the gatekeepers of NBA Twitter have been, you know, hipsters who are nonconformist and like to go against the grain, et cetera, et cetera. And it feels like the last few years we've sort of been, our kingdom has been taken over and we've been exiled and now we're returning. It's like return of the king, right? We're ready to like bust through those walls, reclaim our throne and do it in the most insufferable way possible. I think another thing that makes this like one of the most or the most fun season is is just the way in which it's sort of flipped on a dime. I know we've had seasons where it's felt like that, but if you even look back on, well, obviously Kobe and Shaq, that took a while to actually progress, right? By the time that we won a championship, Kobe and Shaq had already played together for like three or four years. So there was like like a progressive, yeah, yeah, a progressive ramp up for the 2007-8 Lakers. I know that came as a pleasant surprise because, you know, that was the year that Kobe said, you know, ship me to Mars or whatever, or ship Andrew Bynum's ass out as well. And it was a pleasant surprise that we went into the season with Bynum coming into his own. But at the same time, we knew Kobe Bryant was technically on our team and he was still in his prime. So halfway through the season when Bynum was, you know, exerting himself as a dominant big man, that was a surprise. But then he went down and then obviously we traded for Powell. And it it, it seems like it flipped on a dime, but that season I feel like um, you still had a progression because by the time we traded for Powell, we had already kind of established ourselves as, you know, uh, we were like third in the West or something by Christmas. This season, it's like, okay, we get Anthony Davis and we have no, we have no idea how this is going to go. We've been hurt before. So that sort of colors and cautions how we view this season, even with Anthony Davis and LeBron James, because of what happened last season where we didn't even make the playoffs and we had LeBron James. So for us to just like come out like gangbusters this season, it's almost like it's been a positive punch in the face that I really can't compare to even the 2007-8 pleasant surprise of, oh, Bynum's coming into his own and, oh, here's Pow all of a sudden. So I think even just the drastic switch switch up of this season we're still coming to terms with that and coming to grips with it and we've been saying all season it feels surreal it feels surreal and i think that is true and that's been the case and uh yeah it's 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 been fun it's been lit um a lot of it due to us being 30 now and being able to appreciate the struggle we went through the only other rebuild we can compare this to is 
Kobe's rebuild post Shaq, where we only missed the playoffs once, and then the two years after that, even though we only got into the first round and were ousted in the first round, Kobe was still putting up crazy numbers to like tide us over. So these last six years have been so painful, like Tommy mentioned, and it's been such a struggle that to finally reach this point, and, and to not only reach it in a way where it's like, okay, we're good, but it's like, oh, shoot, we might be the best, and there's still ways to improve this team, and there's still internal improvement to be had. It's crazy. Um, any last words, Tommy, Alan? Sleet. Mm. Litter. Litter, <laughs> indeed. All right, so, uh, Tommy, you can go into your house now. <laughs> Thank you. Cool. Uh, we will catch you later. All right, later, bros. See you, dude. Bye. All right, so we're back, Alan. This is segment two of our 2020 New Year's resolutions episode or New Year's episode. Uh, we just went through um, just how fun this Lakers season has been, how how much fun this Lakers team has been, and how it it tops our Lakers experience in our lifetime. And to close the show, we're just going to talk about New Year's resolutions, whether we have any for the Lakers players, Lakers coaching staff, or any NBA-related entity. It can be something as small as, I wish Rajon Rondo would stop pounding the ball, to something as big as, I hope Frank Vogel continues to smartly um, play around with the rotations in a way that's conducive to good playoff um, matchups in the future, etc., etc. I can go first. Um, So, essentially, the question is, if you had a New Year's resolution to dole out to any NBA player or any Lakers player or any NBA-related entity, one, what would that New Year's resolution be? And then two, who would that be for? I'll start off and say, and it'll be a small thing, but my first New Year's resolution goes to Kyle Kuzma. On a larger and macro perspective, I hope that he continues to health-provided, well, I guess one, just get healthier, period, because I know... Um, his little knick-knack injuries that have proceeded him returning from that major stress reaction have thrown him off his rhythm here and there. Um, but more so, I, I think from a mental perspective, my New Year's resolution for Kakuzma is for him to get into a comfortable place mentally of just accepting his role in place, being confident in that, and uh, not second-guessing or psyching himself out. Because... He doesn't need to be anything he's not. He doesn't need to force or pressure himself to be that third guy. He just needs to play within the flow of the offense. And also, I think, just remind himself who he is. He's a scorer. He's a natural scorer who can, you know, put the ball in the basket in a myriad of ways. He should not second-guess himself. Just put the ball in the basket, man. Show off your versatility. And, uh, yeah, just stop overthinking. And then on a smaller level... Oh, and I guess also just continue to play hard, do all the small little things, the garbage man things, kind of the way that he exhibited and showed that he could do with Team USA before he got hurt, where he was just this all-around, like, go-go gadget versatility glue guy um, who could do it all, do all the small things, and then in some cases, hit clutch shots when need be, um, but never have to force anything. Um, and then on a smaller end for Kakuzma, I hope that um, he's... This is a, his another New Year's resolution for Kyle Kuzma is to stop picking up his feet before he dribbles 
because this is something he's done since his rookie year where he always gets called for a travel where he's trying to attack a closeout from the free throw line. So there's my macro and micro New Year's resolutions for Kyle Kuzma. Um, Alan, what about you? You can pick anybody. You can pick anything. Um, This is a little out of left field and random, but my New Year's resolution is for Zion Williamson to get healthy so we can watch him play basketball in the NBA. Okay, um, noble. The Pelicans are on TV, national TV a lot, and it's obviously because of Zion and the fact that it's almost the new year and he has, or it is the new year and uh, he hasn't suited up yet is just freaking sad, man. Um, and, and, you know, as cool as it is for Kendrick Nunn, is his first name Kendrick? I think so, yeah. On Miami? Yeah, the fact that he's like top two for rookie of the year, I mean, like, good for him, you know? And, like, John Morant is super exciting. Uh, I know, I mean, RJ Barrett is a Nick, so that sucks for him and, no one wants to watch the Knicks anyway, but uh, yeah, it's like the fact that Zion, who was you know one of the top five things to watch for in the NBA this season, uh, hasn't played yet is just it just sucks, right? And uh, it was it was really interesting to think about what our Lakers, who were down <laughs> in New Orleans, would look like with him, and that hasn't happened yet. is uh, It's just kind of a shame. So hopefully he gets right. Uh, so that's one of mine. And then as far as Lakers-centric things, um, I mean, it's kind of like uh, – it, it's honestly kind of boring. It isn't super creative. I was, like, going down the roster and thinking, like, what do I want for each of these guys? But it's it's really, like, just maintaining things, um, mm-hmm. preventing those lulls. And it is a long season. At this point, we're, like, at the quarter way through. And um, <clears throat> you just feel like – around the end of february i mean closer to the all-star break i would guess like end of january beginning of february you hope that we don't um show any signs of complacency and fall into any of those like really mental traps more than anything else uh so really again we've talked about this before staying in the moment one day at a time type of thing and uh if you start to feel that lull like snap out of it i think even there's that game against orlando where we allowed nine points in the first quarter. Yeah. And uh, Danny Green in the huddle, right before the second quarter started, said, we got to do that again. Like, we can't just start to chill out. Now, of course, the Lakers did, right? We totally let the magic back in the game. We ended up winning, and it was all good. But um, despite that win, I think we could learn a lot in, like, a microcosm type of thing. So over the course of 82 games um, – could totally see that happening again and let's just hope they are able to stay disciplined yeah nice um my next new year's resolution goes to lakers fans as a collective and just want to caveat things by saying i'm not trying to get on my high horse and be self-righteous or anything but my big new year's resolution for lakers fans and i think it's already started to happen due to this season and the lessons we've learned this season um would be to keep perspective and stay in the moment Um, stop overreacting before we know all the facts. I get that's the point of Twitter to just throw out a hot take whenever any sort of news comes out, but I just feel like, especially as this season has shown, we're all better than what we showed in the summer. Where this summer, we overreacted to every little single thing, and I get it because the end of last season was a complete train wreck, and that totally scarred us, so I guess we're reacting out of PTSD, so I get all of that, but if there's anything that this season has taught us it's to when any sort of news comes out take a step back take a deep breath wait for all of the information to come out assess the situation add context 
and not just so willy-nilly go out there and just say, oh, I hate this guy because of this, because of A, B, and C, and see what's changed in the context now versus previous things. So that would be my big thing for Lakers fans and a New Year's resolution for them because, I mean, now we're seeing just a lot of Lakers fans happily towards the end of 2019 eating crow, like a bunch of players that they doubted have actually panned out. Rob Palinka actually is a solid GM without being shackled by Magic Johnson. We as a podcast, I think, did a pretty good job of not immediately, you know, jumping to conclusions and allowing for information to sort of settle before we actually made an educated assumption and conjecture on what might be going on and before we made our feelings too strong. So I would just hope that that becomes our our collective. I understand that there's a place for Stephen A. Smith type reactions and whatnot. But yeah, if there's anything that this season has shown us, it's that it's better to give people the benefit of the doubt and to see every situation, every player, every exec under the lens of innocent till proven guilty versus the opposite. What's the opposite? Guilty till proven innocent, essentially, which is what <laughs> which is what I think a lot of Lakers fans did with Palinka, with Genie, with Dwight, with Rondo, with Avery Bradley, with KCP, with Kuzma, etc., etc. So let's all just let the dust settle a little bit. Uh, Alan, what about you? That's a good lesson on life, by the way. <laughs> um, yeah, that's like I'm good guessing for you resonate with that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, I'm I'm one person to eat crow for sure. I was like, oh God, Dwight this, Dwight that, you know, Rondo, uh, he doesn't do anything well, and KCP is trash, and you know, everything's working out pretty freaking well right now. Um, another resolution. Let's see, if there was anything you could give LeBron or, or let LeBron know outside of maintaining consistency, what what would it be? <laughs> like more blowout wins. <laughs> that way okay. he can load manage in game, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, it'd be great if he could continue to sit out long stretches of the fourth quarter, if not even all of the fourth quarter. You know, our schedule, our schedule this year is pretty like imbalanced there are some long stretches where we play some pretty bad teams and then there are some stretches where we play some pretty tough teams it it isn't like every other night kind of a thing so we really need to capitalize on those nights when we should just be putting teams away um again Mm -hmm. i keep going back to like the orlando game really lebron and ad should not have been playing much of that fourth if any of it and the fact that they had to practically close it out um, that's a missed opportunity for those guys to get some rest. So while they are averaging like career lows and minutes per game, um, it'd be nice if we could really get that killer instinct and learn how to put our foot on the other team's throat, um, right. as early as possible and not get in a tough situation. So, uh, yeah, that would be one of mine. Okay. Really quickly on LeBron. I know he's been banged up. New Year's resolution for him would probably be to, and I know he's trying to in-game load manage as well by taking some jump shots, ill-advised jump shots here and there to preserve his body versus ramming the ball down the paint or diving into the paint every which way and sacrificing his body and getting hacked and not getting foul calls. I understand why he takes those step back three-point shots and whatnot, but my one New Year's resolution for LeBron James would be to be a little bit more judicious with his uh, clutch time shot selection, maybe not settle 
as much for those three-point shots. Try and get Anthony Davis involved in more pick and rolls, and maybe that's on the coach to do that as well uh, because we haven't seen that as much, but you saw it happen in the Clippers game, the Bucks game, where it's like Anthony Davis is sometimes almost invisible, and when he gets the ball, he's just settling for jump shots, and I understand that sometimes that's due to the defense and the way that they're playing him, but in that, in those cases, those can't be the only times... Anthony Davis touches the ball when he's just facing up and shooting a jump shot. There, we have to almost force feed him the ball versus, you know, a LeBron James step back three point shot. So that would just be one small thing that I'd like uh, LeBron James to improve upon, which I know it will just naturally get better, especially as the playoffs come around. And I know, like I mentioned, that he's just in game load managing, but. If there was any, you know, New Year's resolution that I could even put upon LeBron James outside of, you know, hitting his free throws better. Yeah, I guess that's a big thing. Free throws, fixing his free throw routine, just uh, relaxing a little bit more, but also just the late game execution. For the most part, he's done a really stellar job finding the right shooters. Guys just haven't been knocking down three-point shots. And his decision-making when it comes to playmaking has been really, really stellar. But it's just when it comes to his own shot, or when it comes to his own shot, him settling for jump shots a little bit too much, and also maybe not finding Anthony Davis as much as he probably should have. But those would be my only two gripes with LeBron James. I have one for Anthony Davis. For him, my New Year's resolution would be to continue to relish and revel in this moment that he's in right now, because it's easy to forget that this guy's only 26 and he's never actually been on a championship contending team, you know? And he's never actually played with another guy like LeBron James. As Lakers fans, we always pinch ourselves and say, I can't believe the season that we're witnessing and how surreal it is. And I'm sure Anthony Davis says that to himself as well. I would just hope that he continues to soak in everything that he can from this experience. It becomes entrenched in his, you know, player DNA that by the time the playoffs hit, playoff hits, even if he's never technically been in this situation where he knows he's like the front runner or he's on a team that everybody's gunning for, that he's already kind of self-fulfilling prophesied himself into that role. Defensive player of the year, maybe even MVP, that he continues to just, yeah, soak it all in and uh, not fake it till you make it. But I think self-fulfilling prophecy is, is the word that I want to go for here with Anthony Davis and just him continuing to trudge forward and just having this season become such a growing experience for him because this is a pivotal season for Anthony Davis's development as an NBA player in his hopefully illustrious career that hopefully will lead to a Hall of Fame induction. You know what I mean? This is that pivotal season and I hope... He continues to realize that and continues to grow and just, yeah, allow LeBron James tutelage to, yeah, seep through every part of his his DNA, um, essentially. Uh, rapid fire for me, uh, Alex Caruso, New Year's resolution for him would be to stop leaving his feet too soon in traffic and then wildly passing it off to nobody in particular. Uh, those are his worst turnovers. And then lastly, the refs to call the game more consistently because especially for the Lakers obviously I know they oh let some God. stuff <laughs> I know they let some stuff go for the Lakers on the defensive end because we're pretty strong and physical but on offense there's incidental contact on every play every play Dwight Howard is being held each and every single time that he's trying to go for an offensive rebound and sometimes that's called against him LeBron James and Anthony Davis are getting hacked on the shoulders, the legs, every single time they drive it into the lane. And the the refs so far this season have only called the most obvious fouls, 
or if Anthony Davis or LeBron James miss a shot. We should be getting so many more and ones. So yes, refs, please call it more consistently. James Harden gets foul calls 35 feet away from the basket. There's no reason why Anthony Davis and LeBron James, just because they're strong and it doesn't affect them, shouldn't be getting foul calls on those knick-knack touches either. So... Alan, any last ones from you? Rapid fire or small, big, anything um, like that? I got like a stupid one. Um, yeah. I want to see nothing serious, of course, but I want to see some more skirmishes and I want to see Jared Dudley <laughs> getting all up in there yes. again and just shoving guys, being that enforcer. And then I really want to listen to his interviews after the games because he's freaking hilarious, dude. I really he want is. to see Jared. And, you know, Jared Dudley can get in these games if we start blowing teams out and we don't have to play our starters in the fourth quarter. So uh, just more Jared Dudley. Dudley all around. I agree with you there. Jared Dudley could pretty much uh, host a TED Talk, don't you think? Oh, for sure. Very engaging. Um, And quickly for Frank Vogel, um, New Year's resolution for for Frank Vogel would be to not let the politics get in the way. Um, I know he's been struggling with dealing with the Rondo thing and how many minutes to give him, when to use Rondé's cachet on the court in respect to Anthony Davis and LeBron James, because those two guys trust him, regardless of whether or not what's actually happening on court or even just analytics-wise is bearing out to be positive. But for Frank Vogel, I just hope that he is able to get into a good place where he has total autonomy to make the right moves that he sees fit and is not pressured or burdened by the politics and weight of what having Rajon Rondo on your team means. And that, you know, try him out if you need to here and there, but feel free to pull him the moment that he is just being detrimental to the team, which I guess for has been more times than not recently, even though he has helped us win games, especially in the Portland game, where he had that eight-point run on his own, whether it was by points, free throws, or assists. But yeah, use Alex Caruso more. Figure out when to pull Avery Bradley and when trying to help him find his rhythm is not going as planned. When to use KCP more. I I think Frank Vogel has sort of, I wouldn't say lost his way during the Christmas season, but he has been a little shaky with his rotations and adjustments. And I think into the new year, I would just hope New Year's resolutions-wise for him would be that he stands firm in his decision-making and doesn't let politics get in the way and just kind of goes with his gut and what he believes intuitively would be the best decision because we've seen plenty of times throughout the first half of this season where fans and people on Twitter were clamoring for certain changes to be made and Frank Vogel acted instantly on those changes and made the right counter moves, etc., etc. But it seems he's been a little slow in that respect during the winter season. And um, my hope is that in 2020, as he solidifies his rotation more, especially as we head into the playoffs, that those things kind of shore itself up and um, he's able to just establish himself without any fear of uh, repercussions of, again, politics, Rajon Rondo, what that means, and that he's not afraid to tell people to sit and not afraid to keep people accountable. I think that's the biggest thing. And that's the word I want to use, that Frank Vogt keeps people accountable. There's no double standards, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, All right, with that said, that'll do it for our New Year's 2020 episode. I know we didn't touch upon any game specifics, but we are all on break and we'll get back to analyzing this Lakers team, this fun ass lit lit Lakers team um, in a couple weeks when we're all back from holiday break. So hope you guys have enjoyed your holiday break. Alan, 2020, perfect vision. Hashtag stay woke. <laughs> For sure, dude. <laughs> <laughs> all right, later. Happy New Year. Later. Happy New Year. <laughs>
These are fireworks. There you go. That's much better. <laughs>